we thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Now, listen, I'm coming from a special place today. I'm coming from the Beacon Day Center. Man, we're looking forward to what God has to say to us on today from this special location. We're thanking God for everything that God has been doing. Let me take care of a couple of housekeeping matters before I get to our message on today. First of all, let me thank everybody who showed up on yesterday for our leadership meeting as we recapped the great things that God has been doing in our church and through our church for this past year. And even more importantly, the great things that he is expecting from us as we close out this year, get ready for next year, man. There are greater days ahead. And where I am is part of that mission and part of that vision. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Man, I want to celebrate everybody who has been volunteering and serving in our food pantry. Absolutely tremendous. 480 households were served this past week. 480 households, almost a thousand people were blessed through our food pantry as we address issues of food insecurity and the like. And some of you know, man, you don't have to be poor and destitute to need a blessing, to need some help. And the truth of the matter is many of us are just one paycheck. Some of us are half paycheck away from really needing some help and assistance. So I wanna thank everybody who has volunteered, everybody who makes the food pantry the special place that it is to allow us to touch people's lives and to share the love of God with people in a real and tangible way. Gotta give a shout out to our community outreach efforts under the direction of Minister Chris Johnson, our community basketball game. Man, over 200 people showed up for that basketball game, that third ward basketball game. And so that means over this past weekend, we touched over a thousand people. We're not even counting the people who were with me on today. Shannon Butler, I want to thank him for guiding our virtual um, ministry in terms of our rooted and grounded effort. And this week uh, coming up, the 29th, we will be in service live in person for our giving and generosity celebration. That's going to be on the 29th of October, 8 a.m. and then 10 a.m. And right after the 10 a.m. service, we're going to have our fellowship. So make sure you register so we can have something there for you. And all of our life groups will be meeting on Sunday. Those of you who have virtual groups, we will be meeting on Sunday. Those of us who have hybrid groups, we will be meeting on Sunday. So if you need assistance to make sure that your virtual people get in on the hybrid session that you're having, just let us know and we'll make sure that we are supporting you there. Now, listen, today, man, we made a commitment to not just have church, but to be church. Remember the last couple of years, we've been talking about being the church, right? So many people are talking about what it means to go to church and pastors have been pressing people, man, you got to come back to church, come back to church, come back. And in essence, that's an invitation to come and sit. And then we've been seeing online people practicing how to have church, how to have good church. And I told you, our goal is not to go to church or to have church, but to be the church to be the salt and light that God is calling us to be. So I want to say thank you to everybody who joined me on our journey today 
at the Beacon Day Center. That's where I am right now. I'm here live at the Beacon Day Center. You're seeing some B-roll footage of me doing some cooking and some prepping. Um, we had our life group come down here today. The brothers served. We met another one of our life groups here. Sisters were in there cooking and uh, brothers were doing laundry and encouraging men and women to be the best that they can be. Man, the Beacon Day Center is a tremendous place where men and women who are homeless find respite every day from seven to two. Uh, you hear the noise in the background, cars going by me, trucks and all of that, because I'm outside, because that's where we are. We at the Beacon. And so I was here for the eight o'clock and man, we were so blessed. I just said, you know what? Let's just stay, make it happen at the 10 o'clock service as well. Uh, some of the sisters who are actually in this footage are at church today. You see my lovely wife, Tori, there, and uh, I'm showing some of my culinary skills. You understand what I'm saying? Because you can't be as big as me and not know how to do some cooking on your own. Uh, so we were in there jamming, man, and just having a great, great time as we served over 200 meals for breakfast and another 200 meals for lunch. Excuse me. You can see our group. Uh, this is the group of the brothers that came down with me on today. And uh, some of them are in church this morning, came for the 10 o'clock service. And some of them stayed here with me. Man, we're just excited about what God is doing. And I want to really challenge you on what it means to be church. Uh, so many times when we think about what determines the success of a church, we have seen a shift take place, right? So that people are defining church success by the size of the church and the seating capacity of the church, but not the sending capacity of the church. And it doesn't matter, man, how many people you can see. It doesn't matter how big the building is. What matters is what impact are we having to show the love of God to people who need it the most. Remember, I told you before, people don't have a problem with God. They don't even have a problem with Jesus. They just have a problem with the people who represent them. Because the truth of the matter is, we're not showing up the way we need to, to be the salt and light that God has called us to be. So, man, I'm so excited. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Come on, rooted and grounded, make some noise this morning. Let the world hear you. Listen, we are moving into week seven of Rooted and Grounded. I want to thank uh, Pastor Dana Thomas for stepping in on last week. He did a tremendous job in addressing this subject, how can I make the most of my life? Part one, today we're going to cover part two. And that's why we came down to the beacon to not just have church, but to be church. And I wanna thank all of you who are in the sanctuary, but let's recognize that our work is not getting to the sanctuary. Our work is getting out of the sanctuary and getting into the hedges and highways. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for this day. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight, that it will bring glory and honor to you. May you be glorified, may your people be edified, and may the devil be horrified at the life change that will take place out of your word today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Let all of God's people say amen. When you think about being blessed in life, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? 
Uh, for most people, when they think about being blessed, they think about material possessions. They think about the accumulation of cars, cash, commodities, clothes, creature comforts, and the like. We think about where we live. We think about what we wear. We think about how much money we have. But my brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you today to rethink and reprioritize your life. Listen to me carefully. So many times in life, we think about what we're going to get when the Bible is clear that the answer to that question is not what we get, but our blessings are really tied to what we give. What are we willing to share? What are we willing to invest in the lives of other people? Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, how to be blessed in blessing others. How to be blessed in blessing others. So many of us want to be blessed and we think we have to go out and get our blessings. Lord have mercy. Listen to me carefully. But instead of going out and getting your blessings, you better learn that you get your blessings when you learn how to give a blessing to somebody else. Our text today is Matthew 25. Now this Matthew 25 passage beginning at verse 31 is one of the most fundamental passages of scripture when it talks about putting faith into action. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's a whole segment of the body of Christ that has acted like this portion of scripture has been torn out of their Bibles. And the reason they do that is because they believe and practice that if we think more about heaven than we do about earth, then somehow we won't be responsible for what we do not do on earth. Jesus basically said in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31, the true value of who you are as a person is not to be seen by what you do on Sunday in the sanctuary or in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but what you do every day of your life as you interact with people. Three things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will help you to understand how to be blessed in blessing others. Number one, you need to realize the Lord will come to judge you. You need to realize the Lord will come to judge you. Matthew 25, verse 31, the text says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from another, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. This section of scripture explains that the son of man, Jesus, is going to come to render judgment on people. Now, the Bible says he's gathering the nations, but he doesn't judge nations. For example, there are some people who believe that phrase, one nation under God, somehow absolves them for, from personal responsibility for what they do right and what they do wrong. That somehow we're going to be under this blanket request for God to bless the United States of America. When the truth of the matter is, Every nation is going to be divided into individuals and every individual is going to be judged 
for him or herself. As a matter of fact, my grandmama said it like this, every tub sits on its own bottom. You've got to stand for yourself and you will be judged for yourself. Jesus says five things in these three verses regarding his coming to judge. Number one, he says he's coming and he's coming in glory. He's coming in glorious splendor. He's coming in his post-resurrection glory to come and to judge. Number two, he is coming with his holy angels. In other words, he comes with his posse because he wants to make sure that the judgment that is rendered is the judgment that is executed. And so he brings divine assistance to make sure that that judgment occurs. Number three, he is coming, the Bible says, to be enthroned, to be placed on his throne, to be recognized for who the scripture says he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He will come and he will be enthroned on his throne of glory. Fourthly, he is coming to gather all of the nations. No nation will be absolved. No nation will be exempted. Every nation will have to come and stand before the Lord. And fifthly, it says when he comes, he's coming to separate the nations to individuals. He, our people, everybody will be judged on their own. The sinner and the godly have lived together in this world. But when Jesus returns, he is coming and he is going to separate. He is going to judge. The sheep will be on the right. The goats will be on the left. Now, here's what's interesting about that designation when he talks about the sheep and the goats. We can go down a litany of things that separates sheep from goats. But here's what's interesting these are people, these are individuals, and they are determined to be sheep or goats, not because of who they are, but because of who they know or don't know and what they do. In other words, what differentiates the sheep from the goats is their relationship with Jesus and the evidence of that relationship that's shown and whether or not they are relating to other people, especially to those who are less fortunate than themselves. He said, look at the goats. They may wear the same clothes, but they don't have the same destination. They may be driving the same car, but they're not going to the same place. He says there's a difference, and the difference is based upon their relationship with Jesus Christ and how they relate to other people. The evidence that they have a relationship with Jesus is seen in how they interact with other people. Many of you need to accept the fact, my brothers and sisters, that you will be judged. And listen to me, you will not be judged by other people. Can I tell you something? Too many of us use and take the judgment that other people try to put upon us, and then we make that a valid judgment of our lives. The truth of the matter is judgment is above every pay grade. So when people think they're judging you, they really don't have the right to judge you because they don't know you from the inside out and they really can't know you from the outside completely in. Some of you want to judge yourself. I've heard people say, and I'm sure you've heard people say, man, me and the man upstairs, we all right. We good. I'm good with God. Guess what, my brothers and sisters? 
you cannot judge yourself. I've been teaching for many years. I've taught middle school, high school, college level, graduate school. Here's a lesson that I have learned. It didn't matter who I was teaching. I never allowed students to grade their own paper. Because whenever somebody was given a responsibility to grade their own paper, it was always amazing to me how they came back with a higher grade than they really should have got. At the end of the day, here's what you and I need to understand. You will be judged by God. And while you may think you are good in your heart, you may think you have a good heart. The truth of the matter is God reads and knows our hearts and he will determine whether or not you are good. Look at John 5, 22. The father judges no one, but has given all to the son. Romans 14, 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Each of us will give a personal account to God. Who will you be when the Lord judges everyone? Will he deem you to be sheep or will he deem you to be a goat? Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize the evidence that you're saved is shown when you serve those in need. The evidence that you're saved is shown when you serve those in need. The Bible says, verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen to what he says. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let's stop right there for a minute. The Bible says that those who served, the Lord pronounced a blessing upon them. Eulogio is the word where we get the word eulogy from, to speak well of somebody. But this is to speak well of somebody, not who is dead, but who is alive. To, in essence, add value to their lives, to bless them with your words, with your declaration. He says, blessed are you because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Verse 36, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now here's what's crazy. The righteous ask a question. They say, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry? We didn't see you. We was just out there being kind to people. When, when did we see you naked? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Lord, you don't have a record. When did we visit you in prison? Because they didn't do it because they saw Jesus. They did it because they loved the Lord. 
And because they had received love from God, they felt an obligation to take advantage of the opportunity to show that love to somebody else, watch this, who needed it even if they didn't deserve it, right? Listen, the Lord doesn't love us because we deserve his love. He loves us because he knows we need his love. And so the Lord basically says, the same criteria that I use to love you is the criteria you should use to love somebody else. Jesus basically says this, just because you didn't see me doesn't mean you didn't serve me. Because Jesus identifies with the least of these. Now, if somebody important comes in the room, how many people are running over trying to get a selfie? How many people are trying to run over and be known, be recognized, be touched, or to touch that person that's famous, right? But how many people do we step over, walk over, walk by, ignore on the way to getting to that person that we deem to be important? Jesus says, I identify with the least of these not the least of these because they are inferior, but the least of these because they have been deemed by the world to be less than. And he says, when you did it unto the least of these, unto me. When you visited the least of these, guess what? You visited me. When you were kind to the least of these, you were kind to me. See, the motive for doing what they did was not a reward. It was based on the love that God has shown to them and the love that they wanted to show to somebody else. Jesus identifies with the least of these, which means what? When we ignore the least of these, we're ignoring Jesus. <laughs> when we're trying to pay attention to somebody that we deem to be important and we overlook folk that we think are beneath us, Jesus says, the person that you think is beneath you, that's me. So are you going to ignore me to get to somebody else? Or are you going to value the one that you would normally step over and step by? See, here's a mistake that some people make with this passage. They make the mistake of thinking your salvation is secure because you show good works. So they have a works-based salvation. Jesus teaches that your salvation is not secure by your works. Your salvation is shown by your works. So you're not saved because you do the right thing. Because you're saved, you display your salvation in doing what's right. Let me challenge somebody who is sitting there right now, whether you're in the sanctuary at Good Hope or you're somewhere else watching wherever you are around the world. Listen to me carefully. You cannot measure the kind of Christian you are by the faithfulness in coming to a sanctuary and sitting. You don't display how much God loves you by how much you come and sit to be church-tamed on Sunday morning. It's not about coming to church. It's not about going to church. It's not about having good church. It's about learning how to be the church. That's what Jesus is concerned about. 
And I know that throws all of us upside down. I mean, that just messes up our world because watch this in this world of church tainment, where we come to church to be entertained, where the pastor has stopped being an equipper and is an entertainer and the choir is there to sing my favorite song to make me feel good. And I treat the offering as if it is the cover charge at a spiritual club. God says, no, this thing is not about you. It's about me. And it's about not about you feeling good. It's about you sharing my love with other people who are desperately in need of the love of God being manifested in their lives. He says, are you going to show it? See, people today are saved the same way people have been saved by faith, right? In the Old Testament, they had faith. They had faith in God. In the New Testament, the saving faith of God and you have experienced the saving grace of God in your life is seen in your serving other people. So here's what you need to learn. Write this down somewhere. You need to learn to see Jesus in everyone you serve. You need to learn to see Jesus in everyone you serve and write this down. You need to learn to see everyone like their Jesus. You need to learn to see. Jesus. You need to put eternal importance on your earthly ministry. Uh, when, when we came here this morning, when we served this morning and there are groups that served this past week, there are groups that will be serving tomorrow, wherever you're serving food pantry, the beacon, uh, Santa Maria Hostel, wherever you're serving, we got to recognize, man, that when we serve, we are literally serving Jesus. We're treating people like they're Jesus. It's the privilege to be able to serve them and to treat them like they're the Lord. Look at Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone especially to those who are of the household of faith. First Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. James 2.18, let's read it together. Come on, find it on your outline, look on the screen. Let's read it together. James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See, you really love the Lord, listen carefully, by what you do, not by what you say. John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me put a cord in the meter and park right there for a second. Listen, so many people want to sing, want to shout, and want to say how much they love God. 
They want to say it. Oh, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. They want to sing it. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Oh, they want to shout it out. I love you, God. I love you, God. And you know what? The Lord doesn't care about none of that. He doesn't care about what you say. He doesn't care about what you sing. He doesn't care about what you shout if you're not showing it. And the Bible says there's no better place to show it than to the least of these. Will you put that love language into a tangible form so that people not only hear it, but they can feel it, that they experience that love in a powerful, powerful way. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works. Listen to me, even if you're not rich in money, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to realize your salvation in the Lord and service to others will be rewarded. Your salvation in the Lord and service to others will be rewarded. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, I haven't talked about the goats. I hope there are no goats in the house today. But the Bible says those who were on his left, the goats, they were cursed and they were sent to the place of torment intended and created for the devil and his imps. That place was not even created for God's created beings. That's why the Bible says he would that all men, all women would be saved. But if you want to be a goat, you want to live selfishly, you want to live this self-serving, egocentric kind of way, he says you can do that and you might experience what you deem to be heaven on earth, but hell is waiting for you on the other side of the grave. He says those who are my sheep, those who are my saints, those who are my children have received my love. And look at what the text says. Come ye who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, they didn't do it to be rewarded, but they would be rewarded. Remember, these are the same folk that said, Jesus, when do we see you? Because we didn't do it because we thought we were doing it for you, Lord. We did it because of what you have done for us. And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. My brothers and my sisters, listen, I, I hope and pray that you leave here today understanding several things. One, that God will judge you. Two, that the evidence of your salvation must be seen and not just heard. It's got to be seen as you work out your soul salvation. 
Maybe third, let me throw this in. God wants to use you. And for somebody that's watching right now, I'm just feeling led by the spirit to say this, whether you're in the sanctuary or you're in one of 164 countries that we're being watched in, listen to me carefully. You can be used by God. Don't make the mistake of believing somebody else's judgment of you or your judgment of yourself. The grace of God wants to use you despite what you've done, despite where you've been, despite what you've said, God can start right now using you for his glory. That's the key to being a truly blessed person in life. Every person that came down here today, we've left here better because we allowed ourselves to be used by God to be a blessing to those who may never be a blessing to us in the physical sense, but they have been a blessing to us because they've given us the privilege to be able to serve Jesus and touch Jesus when we touch them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We thank you for your word. I pray, God, that your word has found fertile ground in our hearts and minds. I pray, God, that we would leave here today convicted and convinced, used in your service, and that you want to use us to bless others. And in blessing others, we show our true love for you. God, those who need you, I pray they make a decision today to know you as their Savior and Lord. And for those who know you, I pray, God, that they would make a decision today to grow in you, to go to that next level and help them to know that going to that next level will not happen in them learning more, but going to that next level in their walk with you will only happen when they learn how to live more live out the truths that we already know. We thank you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, I'm going to turn you back over to uh, Reverend Bell, uh, but I look forward to seeing you live in the sanctuary. But listen, don't forget, we're not going to church. We're not having church. Everything that you do that's a blessing, here's what I want you to start doing. I want you to start posting hashtag being church because that's our new mantra we want to be the church that god is calling for god bless you and god be with you is my prayer love y'all peace